What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. I'm Sam Allen, joined with Matt McFeely, as always. And Matt, not as always, but maybe it's becoming a little bit repetitive now. We have a Yankees-Astro series in October. This is going to be electric. Yankees with a 5-1 victory over the Guardians last night in a deciding Game 5. And there was really no deciding this game Outside of the first inning, Yankees hopped on their starting pitching first, got out to a big lead early and didn't look back. Yankees win 5-1 and advance to Houston, to which we will preview today. Matt, how are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah, Nestor was wonderful. Uh, Stanton's doing everything that we asked of him, you know, when the playoffs came around. It's crazy how much is going on right now. Like, I don't know what to watch at night. I got the Yankees on in the postseason. I got NBA on now. There's hockey games. Tomorrow, the Yankees are going up against Thursday night football. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and don't worry. We're going to talk a little bit of Rangers later. We're going to talk some Knicks and Nets. We know they're tipping off tonight. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to cover it all. Don't worry. But obviously, the most obvious and I think the forefront of the storyline has to be the Yankees. Uh, yep. we've, it's almost turning into a Yankee podcast at this point right now, but... Look, as long as they're the story, we're going to talk about the Yankees. So um, where do you want to start? We can start with uh, the roster. We can start with last uh, game five. Well, you, you dictate. You know, I, like you said, I mean, they, they kind of won that game going away last night. There was never really uh, – it, it never felt like they were going to lose that game first inning on. Um, and, and they got through a team that they should have beaten. So I, I think right now we go over – the few roster changes uh, from last series into this series. Sounds good to me. So, yeah. And again, the only other thing I want to say about uh, yesterday was the start was just very strange being at four o'clock yesterday. Uh, the, there were conflicting reports about how many people were there. The stands weren't filled, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it looked pretty filled to me once the first pitch came. So that was, that was really a non-issue. I thought, um, the place was up, and as soon as Stan hit the home run, it sounded like there were 100,000 people in there. So uh, it's the Bronx Zoo for a reason. The clips after the game were oh my amazing. God. I meant to ask you about that. That is insane. What, the, the streets after? Yeah. yeah it's not, like nothing I've expect? ever seen. Ugh. I mean, I mean we, did you, you remember that that side talk video of the after the Knicks home opener last year? No, but this was we should crazy. come to this, the this, Knicks. You know that yeah. video? But this looked like uh, it looked like the purge. Uh, well, now how about this? What's the if they win the World Series? What does that look like after that game? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> you Wait, might want to stay. You personally you, uh, might want to stay far away. Would you go to the the parade? Are you a parade goer? I was have photos of myself at the 2009 parade, so most likely yes, I will yeah, be there. I don't think I, I don't think I could do a parade. Eh, it, too many people. I, I I can't I can't be around it. Easy easy to say if you've never had to choose. Yeah, for one, and, but. and I'll never have to be proven wrong either. Yeah, <laughs> so it's something you'll just never have to worry about. So cool, mm-hmm. easy for you. Makes your decision easier. Let's talk about the roster. Enough BSing. A uh, few changes. A couple that I have a little bit of a gripe with. We don't have to get too deep into it because it's really not that deep. But uh, Weissert, Greg Weissert and Montas are back on the roster and replaced for Lucas Litke and Gail Castro, who both had an absolute valiant effort in the DS, I must say. The way they sat in the bench in the bullpen was just couldn't have provided a bigger spark for the Yankees. So half joking, but 
Yeah. Uh, they they didn't pitch at all, and I think the Yankees see Weiser and Montas as uh, positives off out of the bullpen right now, um, especially for a roster and a lineup like Houston that literally has two lefties, and then other than that, all of their hitters are righty. They have Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are lefties, and that's about it. But you said Castro was replaced? Castro, well, not on the roster, yes. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 gotcha. So... Weiser and Montas are in for Luke, Lucas Lickie and Miguel Castro. More intriguing would be no Ron Marinaccio. So a lot of Yankee fans had the hope that he would be able to. He had a shin injury um, leading, I guess, in the last couple of games of the regular season. There were hopes that, that he would come back for the CS if they made it. And now we're here and he's still not, I guess, 100%. And then same thing goes for DJ LeMayu. A lot of people thought even DJ LeMayu after like game three or so, uh, gave like a thumbs up to reporters that when they asked him if he would be ready for the CS. So there was some optimism around DJ. But truthfully, if you have Carpenter on, on the bench, presumably, I mean, we'll talk about what we think the lineup will be. But if you're going to presume that Carpenter's on the bench, he's your pinch hit option. And to have DJ on the bench and him to say, we can't or no, I can't play the field or I'm not healthy enough to play the field. DJ becomes a little bit of a net negative because he's just taking up a roster spot for someone like Peraza, who is on the roster, to much of my surprise, I didn't think the Yankees would go that way because now if you start as Waldo Cabrera at short, you got IKF and Peraza on the bench. Those are just two shortstops on the bench. That seems like a little backwards to me, don't you think? Yeah. But it'll be interesting. Maybe maybe they see uh, Oswaldo Cabrera as their full-time left fielder. I personally would lean to thinking more so that, and given the fact that uh, Houston is one of the easier left fields to play, being that it's just so small and there's a there's just a giant wall behind you, it's a very easy left field to play. Maybe that means that Stanton's in the lineup in left tonight. Maybe that means that Carpenter's in the lineup in left tonight. Or maybe that means that Cabrera's in left and they feel more comfortable about it, being that it's such an easy left field to play. So really going to gonna be something to look out for. Uh, the lineup is not out as of right now. It's about one o'clock uh, Eastern time, uh, but the roster's out. Um, so roster wise, everything else is pretty much stamp pat tonight. Tyone gets the ball against Verlander. Um, I think their approach is going to be one time around. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of a, kind of a shame that you had to go ahead and pitch Nestor uh, last night because uh, you would, you would think the Yankees would be hard pressed to win this game, but Verlander hasn't been great. Yeah, and actually, so last time Verlander pitched, they won the game, four innings pitched, three strikeouts, 10 hits against the Mariners that, look, not for nothing, you call me Yankee boy, whatever you want, the, the Yankees lineup is much better than the Mariners, much better. I mean, they're, they're relying on Carlos Santana and, like, guys who would maybe be a Yankee DH to, you know, come up in big spots for them. Yeah, well, so... Hey, it's something to be seen. Um, a couple notes about the Astros, and I guess it's really glass half full, half empty sort of thing, but they just played an 18-inning game. They scored one run, so they have one run in the last 18 innings. That's pretty much one run in the last two games. Plus, now they've had they've been sitting there waiting for the winner of the Yankees-Guardian series. So maybe that little rust comes into play. Maybe their offense is actually stagnant. Um, their seven, eight, nine batters batted 135 and 37 plate appearances against the Mariners, and they're all righties. Which, if you think about the Yankees bullpen and their additions, 
adding Weissert for Licky probably is just a direct correlation to the fact that the Astros lineup is all righties for the most part. Um, so look, do, do the, am I scared of the Astros? I wouldn't say I'm scared of the Astros, but they're definitely the best team. This is, these are the two best teams in the AL. I hey, think what, there's no you, questions asked. What do you mean? You're not scared of them though. Like I'm not, I'm not, they don't, they don't fear me like they once did. I, I think they're better than the Yankees. I think they definitely are better than the Yankees. Right. So how but, can they not scare? Like that's the team to be scared of. If you're going to be scared of anyone. Well, I mean, I guess the way the way I'd answer that would be, I if I'm the with the Yankees roster and the way they've looked in this series, uh, the previous series, and even just the way they've looked on their hides all season, I think they can hang with anyone. I don't like. I don't think in in previous years there's been no cracks in the armor of the Astros, and I think this year I've seen some. Like Altuve is not obviously look. Altuve is probably one A, one B between him and Alvarez, and as far as like importance of getting out, right? But Altuve is not what he used to be. He only batted like 270 this year only, I'll say. But like he used to, he's like a lifetime three plus hitter. And he's he's not that anymore. Obviously, he's gonna he's a Yankee killer and I'm gonna look out for him. But like I think that this is I would say that this is the most vulnerable Astros team the Yankees have faced this late in the playoffs. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um, because they were world beaters all those years, but I, I don't know. I feel like they, they down the stretch, like really came into their own and solidified themselves as maybe not what they used to be, but I mean, f- almost far and away the, the best team left. Yeah. And, but also too, like you got to think a lot of Yankee fans will say, this is the Yankees biggest test. Like this is the Astros biggest test too. And not for nothing, but that first game, if they don't have like an absolute monster performance, by their offense in the in the ninth inning, and they go down one nothing to the Mariners, with Verlander already started. You never know what that series might end up as. Like obviously, I think once the Mariners lost that lead in the ninth inning of Game One, the series was over right there. There was really no coming back from that. But hey, if the Astros lose that game, uh, you never know what the the story could be around that. Maybe they they could have lost that game, lost a series, and we could have been talking about Mariners Yankees in the ALCS. But yeah, I mean, neither well, here nor there. Speaking of game one importance, um, I, I don't give the Yankees as big of a chance as you do. Listen, obviously they, they could win, right? Um, but if they were to find find a way to scratch out a win tonight, that changes my perception almost entirely about that their chances would, to win. If they if could they just win find tonight, a way to win tonight. Yes, I agree. If they win tonight and like, I don't care how it has to be done. I don't care if you got to bunt with someone. I don't care if you have to steal with someone you might not steal with usually. Get people moving. One thing I noticed last night that I thought the Yankees might carry over, they love that Bader, they love batting Bader in front of Trevino. And then I think twice last night they had a hit and run with Bader and Trevino that maybe not didn't work to get him to third or even score him but was a successful hit and run in the term of staying out of the double play and advancing a runner. So maybe the Yankees look to do that. Maybe Peraza on the roster allows them to have a little bit more speed on the bases. Maybe they saw what the guardians were doing to them and said, wow, they're putting some pressure on our defense right now. Let's do that to other teams. And maybe that's what they'll aim to do. Uh, Look, a guy like judge can steal. They've been stealing with Glaber out of the leadoff spot. I love that. Um, A guy like Bader can steal IKF. They got LaCastro as a pinch runner. I think the Yankees base running could be very undersung in this series. Martin Maldonado, I think, is going to be their 
most regular catcher and he's just a he's a defensive catcher right you know he's yeah. he's known for he's a veteran defensive catcher but he again he's not a I, I mean he probably has a gold glove maybe but like he's not a nothing you write home about I feel like yeah when, so. when, you, when you stack these lineups against each other which one's better well I think the Yankees have the deeper lineup they're so again, the seven, eight, nine of the Astros batted one thirty-five against the Mariners. Yeah. If that happens again, they won't beat the Yankees. It's just plain and simple. But what what was the stat about the Yankees in the first round? Like they were the only team to win a series and have like, like I forget what it was, but the Yankees didn't hit. The Yankees did. They had the worst among their their postseason wins. I think they had the worst batting average among all their like postseason series wins. Right. I think that's, something that's what it was. I believe that's exactly what it was, but. That's also Judge had the worst postseason series of his career. Uh, they, they, a lot of guys underperformed. Josh Donaldson, shocker. Big, tell me how shocked you are that I'm here talking about how bad Josh Donaldson played. Sure, he made every, he made most plays in the field, but like, guy was, the guy looked lost. He looked yeah. lost at the play. And like, again, it's just mind boggling that a veteran can look lost that bad. Like, yeah, it's one thing for Stan to look lost. We all know what Stanton is. And again, if anyone ever wants to question Stanton ever again, I'm just going to say one word, postseason, because that's all he's for. He can go hit zero, 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 zero. As long as he's healthy for the postseason next year, let's go. I'm rocking with Stanton next year. Yep. So, look, maybe, sure, the, the Yankees might, the league probably fears Jordan Alvarez right now, but I think... The close second to being fearful is a postseason John Carlos Stan. I don't think it's too far off to say that right now. Yeah. He's been, I think he's had a home run in like half his game postseason games, which is like ridiculous to think of. It's just like, and all of them, all of them have been with the Yankees, never made it with the Mariners. I mean, the Mariners, the Marlins, right? I don't, I don't believe think, they ever made it the postseason, no. Which is crazy to think about, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, oh, well, they have Ozuna, Stan, Yelich. Good D Gordon, uh, Jose Fernandez, JT Real Mudo, Jose Fernandez. Yeah, they had a squad. Yeah, and they never made the playoffs. But nope. look, we don't need to talk about the Marlins team history. I think there's more important fish to fry. Um, tell me, Matt, how did the Yankees win tonight? I, I guess they would just need a stellar performance from their bullpen. That that's really like if they could win this game three to two, four to two, four to three, something like that. I think that's that's probably the way that they win. So how much weight do you put in the fact that last time Verlander took the mound eight days ago, by the way, four four innings, ten hits? I I don't know because he's he's been so good all year. Like so, he's going to win a Cy Young. Um, he's undoubtedly going to win so, a Cy Young. So I I don't know, not not much. Um, and against the Yankees, maybe this this kind of supports you a little bit, but against the Yankees this year, he had one start, seven innings, four hits, one run. Yeah. How much are you worried about just like the just the tired factor? Like they they advanced last night. They have to fly to Houston. They Like, I don't know. Like, don't you think that that's more detrimental than having sat there and waited for the Yankees to come to Houston? No, and I'll tell you why, because. And I think Boone said it It was kind of undersung and I didn't really see any tweets about it, but someone did ask Aaron Boone that like, hey, like, you know, if, are you, if I think it was before the game, they said, if you win tonight, how like 
how much in moderation will the celebration be? I guess was the question. And he said, he said, oh, you know, we'll celebrate a little bit. But like and then someone asked him, like, oh, what about the turnaround? And he said, look, we've been doing it all year. Like, and honestly, this isn't the craziest one because it was a four o'clock to a seven o'clock game. Like he, it wasn't like an eight o'clock game that went into extra innings. And then you got to go play a four o'clock game the next day. Sure. They're going to have they're going to have plenty of time. Like they probably got to Houston. They were probably in bed at like 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. They I probably mean, slept all day <laughs> till two to 10, got to the stadium at like one. I'm not not concerned at all. They got they got a perfectly fine night's sleep. And I think, too, like like you got to understand these guys aren't don't have to drive to the airport, unpack their bags and and sit there for three hours and wait for their flight. They go they they drive in a big, expensive, fancy car to a big, expensive, fancy plane in which they all have leg room. They all have their training stuff that they need to rub on their legs or rub on their arms, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think they're fine. I think they're OK. I think that's a little bit under over undersung overrated, in my yeah. opinion. So what's and, the, if what's... I were to say if I were to kind of go back at you, I'm not, I know you're not an Astros fan, but if you were an Astros fan, would you be at all concerned about the about sitting around so long and waiting? Because one thing we've learned from these playoffs, look at it, look at the NL. That's all the teams that were sitting there waiting are home golfing right now. Yeah, all the teams that hadn't played a in a high leverage game in in however long. Yeah, yeah, they all got bounced. So, and this is the most high leverage game. This is the biggest start of Scherzer's year so far. Scherzer huh. <laughs> of, of Verlander's year so far, right? Scherzer, Scherzer, Jace. Yeah, pretty pretty much Scherzer. Him, Verlander, Scherzer, and Cole are just like the same person to me. Like, Man, just there's, there's, I, like there's one that doesn't fit there. Cole. Yeah. Um. Uh, what's the best case scenario tonight, uh, Tyone? Just just lengthwise, like he, if he's rolling, what's the most the Yankees even look to get out of him? Four innings. Well, I mean, I think the approach tonight is the same that the Yankees took with Nestor: go until you're bad, or go until you get in trouble. That whether that's and I think the Montas add to the roster here could be very very much in play for game one um fresh arm he's probably he's probably been healthy for at least like a week now because he was on the he was on the il to end the season but then he obviously couldn't be added to the ds roster but adding him to the cs roster tells me that he's probably fully healthy so i wouldn't be stunned to see like the yankees bullpen usage of like uh let's say tyone goes three then Montas or Domingo are the first ones out of the bullpen and they go like another two or three. So that leads you to the fifth inning. And then all you need is what four more innings of bullpen of a mix of, I mean, I don't know. Wandy's available. Clay Holmes is probably available. Maybe they try and stay away from Loisaga. Trevino didn't pitch. Trevino's available. I think they'll be able to piece it together. Fine. And I'm not yeah. really worried about the Yankee bullpen, to be honest. Don't, don't you think that Tyone's different from Cortez in that you're going to want to shorten the leash and you're not even going to want to give him the opportunity to perhaps get in trouble? Like if this is like a zero zero game through three innings, aren't you just kind of like holding your hat, like waiting for Tyone to implode and, and maybe you just try to avoid that? Like, I don't even know that it's going to be go until you get into trouble. It might just be like, listen, one time through and then this is a bullpen game. Very, very possible. And I don't I don't even hate that approach either. Um, Because, again, one thing that the analytics crowd, Yankees being the analytics crowd love, is seeing that one time around and then the second time around being scared of it. They're scared of the second, third time around. They were 
there was not a shot Nestor Cortez would go any deeper than he did yesterday, just simply off that fact. Um, so I think, look, I think they're going to say, get through the, get through one time through the order. Right. And then, and then as soon as we even smell trouble or Jordan Alvarez is up, <laughs> we're yeah. going to, we're going to go to the bullpen, which, and then look, I'm not going to, I, we spoke about the roster a little bit and I don't really have much more to say about this game. But one thing I'll, I'll say, and I guess will be my first, the first thing I thought of when I saw the roster was, so you mean to tell me that the Yankees have one lefty in the bullpen. So there's Nestor as a lefty and Wandy as a lefty. And they have Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker as their two lefties. You mean to tell me that, like, so pretty much if I'm the Astros, I would bat uh, Kyle Tucker, like, four spots away from Jordan Alvarez. So that way the Yankees can't bring in a guy for both. Does that make sense? I guess, yes. again, defense, defensive lineup making. Because you, I would say that usually who leads off for them? They go Pena, Altuve, Jordan, I think they usually go. Mm-hmm. I, something like that. But I, whatever it is, I would put two guys between Jordan and Kyle Tucker, and then, then the, that would neutralize the Yankees' bullpen for Alvarez, essentially. They don't, they they literally won't be able to use or they would have if they had Wandy come in and face Alvarez, that means they have to Wandy's got to face two righties, which he's been proven to do. But if you're the Yankees, you'd like to see him face a a lefty on a lefty. Like last so for instance, in the last game against the Mariners, they went Altuve righty, Pena righty, Alvarez lefty, Bregman righty, Kyle Tucker lefty. So I wouldn't be stunned if they moved up like a Yuri Yuli Gurriel or a Trey Mancini up into the lineup just so that the Yankees can't put in put in Wandy for two lefties. Yeah, you think the Yankees have learned how to hit a uh, a Lance McCullers curveball yet? I was just looking digging deep into the stats. Lance McCullers against the Yankees this year through one game, six innings, six hits, three runs, four walks. One thing I'll say about the Yankees, I was digging a little deeper into the Yankees versus the Astros numbers. For whatever reason, a lot of the Yankees, a lot of their numbers, the Yankees have a lot of walks against Astros pitching this year when they face them. I don't know if they're just like, maybe they're getting a good read or they have a tell on some of these pitchers and they're able to lay off some of these, what would otherwise be strikeout pitches. But I mean, even... Framer Valdez, they, he pitched six innings, they hit three walks. McCullers pitched six innings, four walks. Ryan Stanek has three innings pitched, three walks. So, like, the Yankees have, have work counts against the Astros. So, maybe they're going to look – maybe that's just their approach against them, just working the counts and getting deep, getting these guys to throw more pitches. Yeah, so so what's the idea? Severino tomorrow? I believe At it's Severino tomorrow, think. and then th- that's where it gets a little dicey because you're not, you're not going to throw Nestor, but – like, do you throw – I mean, I guess you could throw Cole. Yeah, you throw Cole uh, your first game back at home. That, that I think that makes sense. Yeah, Cole home and then Nestor. But then then what? who starts the game in? Because then there's not another off day. Yeah, I don't know. Like, do you throw Tyone again? <laughs> do you throw Domingo? Maybe they go Domingo if, if they – like, if Domingo's not used by that – by that next game in Houston being albeit that we even need it. Yeah. But yeah, he could uh, open. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the approach is going to be Tyone, Sevy, Cole, Nestor. And then we'll, f- we'll figure out the last three games from there. Cause yeah. then if you have Cole go game three, 
He's, he's definitely out for game four, definitely out for game five. Game six, he'd be on three days rest. Game seven, he would be on four days rest. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. Yeah, um, I'll let you I'll let you get any more thoughts out you have on this game or series before I ask you for a prediction. All my thoughts are out. You want to hear my prediction? I want like series. How many game two wins? I'm just going to be the optimistic yeah, Yankee fan. You could do that. That's OK. Yeah, I'll be. the. I think I think the if the Yankees win this game, it, the, it'll be a story of like the tides changing in in like the AL, maybe in the sense that like wow, the Yankees have conquered the beast, right? Like, if you think about the Yankees, they're this pinstripe, buttoned up, clean-shaven, do-the-right-thing team versus the world-beating Astros who are everyone hates because they cheated, everyone boos their players every time they go, and it's like this angel versus devil thing. So can the Yankees conquer that little devil in Houston? Sure. So you're going to say Yankees in seven? I'm going to say Yankees in six. I, was, I think if that's the okay. case, then I think the Yankees will hand the, that game six will be. So game, it'll be two in Houston two. It was a two, two, one, one, one. Yes. No, no, okay, no, so it's a, no, no, no. Two, three, two, two, three, two. So that means the game six, they would win in Houston, probably cold start in Houston. That's, yeah. I'll say Yankees in six and a, okay. they win in a cold start. Sure. I, I was in thinking Houston. I was thinking Astros and six, but I, I, I feel like this series goes seven. Um, I'm going to take Astros and seven. Um, if this game go, if this series goes seven, I don't think there's really any complaints that the Yankee, that Yankee fans could have, to be honest. At that point, you just got beat against the what many would assume and odds makers and all are assuming is the better team. I know, but it's like how many how many years do they have to be the better team? You're you're not wrong. Like you got to beat them sometime. I think you're not wrong, and I think that that needs to be the end of this conversation because I think that's a conversation that needs to happen whatever the result of the series is. Yeah, man, I, I'm looking so, at the teams left. I mean, I, I kind of hate every team left. Like, what I, you, you know, I hate the Yankees, obviously. I hate the Phillies. I've hated the Phillies since I was eight years old. Um, Damn, that eighth year really, really set you over the top. <laughs> I hate I hate the Astros, and Me I guess I, I could I could I mean if it if it were up to me the Padres of the World Series that that would be my rooting interest. Well, okay. So then the last question I'll ask is true or false? The ALCS is the World Series. Yeah, we we said that on the last show. I think so, probably. Okay. I just want to see where you're at now, being that because if the Guardians won, I think obviously the answer would be no. Yeah, I'm going to be locked into this game at four o'clock. By the way, I mean if. The Phillies go up two nothing. Uh, I I don't think the Phillies have a chance against either of these AL teams. You don't. Th- I mean, the Phillies have some Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Talk about a guy that the Mets just got totally wrong by letting go. Zach Wheeler is a stud and a on a bona fide on a, stud, and it's a steal. That that contract is a steal. The, oh yeah, it's y- y- if you're a Met fan and you're you're thinking about paying DeGrom 40 million plus next year. And then you, you're, you got to turn on your TV and, and watch Zach Wheeler making half of that pitching seven shutout innings in the NLCS. I mean, how do you not just like Arthur, you know, Arthur fist meme? <laughs> yeah. How do you not? Yeah. You, you remember that? Uh, I'm sure you don't, but I keep seeing this quote popping up again. Um, 
Brody Van Wagenen a couple of years ago. I, I forget what Zach Wheeler had said about the Mets. Maybe it was something about the Mets not wanting him or whatever it was. Brody Van Wagenen said he was surprised and disappointed with Zach Wheeler's comments yesterday after the Mets, quote unquote, helped him parlay two good half seasons over the last five into $118 million. <laughs> Yeah, Brody Van Wagenen, the gift that just keeps on giving. Um, the NBA tipped off yesterday. Yes, and we're going to pivot to that. All right, no pun intended. Let's pivot over to basketball. Um, tip off last night, uh, two marquee NBA games that ended up not being the best of games. Uh, don't, I'm not going to go over the entire scope of the NBA. We're going to really focus on the Knicks and the Nets on this pod, but the Lakers suck. Like they, they got to move Westbrook. Uh, they get absolutely pounced on by the, the warriors following their ring ceremony. I, I don't even want to get into it, but do you agree? The Lakers are terrible. Yeah, they are. I mean, they, they're lucky that they were able to win that uh, that weird season championship uh, in 2020. The Mickey uh, Mouse ring? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're well, not very good. I think I think if, if I'm you know watching the game, LeBron's obviously an, an amazing player. He's probably the second best player ever. But at this point in his career, he's playing a brand of basketball that's like, conducive to him putting up numbers but not necessarily conducive to the team winning like you know he's not their their defensive rotations are just totally off no one's running I mean there was a play last night where LeBron had two guys on the weak side he's standing at the top of the key and like he didn't he had like his hands on his hip it just like for game one you like to see a little more energy out of and you know I think you you like LeBron as much as I do yeah I love LeBron James yeah me too and but like I'm starting to see like yeah, he's not necessarily declining numbers wise, but every anything that's like non statistical, I think he's declining a little bit. But let's yeah. get to the well, locals. You would agree that he's not he's not going to win another championship, right? Like you would think so. So he's kind of just like, listen, let me pass Kareem. Let me, you know, it, and yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe he gets to play with his son for a season at the end and then and then run the team. But yeah, but I think the ring chasing and the Jordan compete like that, that's kind of it, it's past. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a new era coming in the NBA. It's guys like, I mean, I would even say that, uh, and look, Steph Curry is unbelievable. Every time I watch him, I used to be, and I don't know if you know this, but I used to be a very open Steph uh, hater. Really, I was. Me too. Until he like, until what he did last year. And and I I guess I didn't hate him last year, but there was a time when I was really not a fan of Steph Curry. And I, yeah. I love the guy now. Like he, he has all my respect, all my. Me too. He's phenomenal. I, he's he might be the, the one athlete that I've totally had a, a total 360 on. Yeah. Just, and I'll, I'll openly admit it that I but I'm not going to say I, I'm going to sit here and say I was wrong about Steph because my gripe with Steph when I didn't like him was he was a liability on defense and he was riding in the coattails of what was an, just an amazing all time team. Yeah, and he was doing that before they got Durant. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So, um, look, let's get to the locals because we have two teams in New York that, just like the Giants and the Jets right now, could be in for an exciting season. Let's start with the Knicks. They face off against the Grizzlies tonight. Um, 
Jalen Brunson, New York Knicks debut, the biggest offseason signing for the Knicks in a decent, decent time now. I mean, you could argue Randall or whoever, but I thought the Knicks, I think the Knicks could be good this year. Uh, maybe they don't win tonight because the Grizzlies are, I mean, the Grizzlies are unbelievable or were unbelievable last night. But um, I look, Knicks fans are very high in Quentin Grimes. He's out tonight. Jalen Brunson is a, the point guard that the Knicks are hoping can yeah. at least make them formidable. They've needed a point guard forever. Yeah. RJ Barrett can look to take that step forward again this year. Yeah. And he already I did take a for, leap. So, I mean, yeah. another one would be phenomenal. If he's, I think he can be an all-star this year. Oh, these are our first podcast. We mentioned the word basketball. And my first stance is I think RJ Barrett will be an all-star this year. Barring, yeah, obviously, I, I didn't yeah. even barring injury, but. I don't even think that's a hot take. I, I would agree. No, yeah, definitely not a hot take, but I'm just going to go on to go on to women and say it. Um, as for the rest of the roster, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, Julius Randle, whatever. Um, you know, it's re- the guys you're looking for are going to be Obi, Mitchell Robinson, Quinn Grimes, RJ Barrett, um, other than that, uh, maybe they make a trade in the off season and, or during the season, um, maybe they just come out and don't need to make a trade. Maybe they're just good enough. And, uh, I don't know, but yeah, look, well, what's, what's a, what's a success for this team? Get the play in. Is that, would, would we consider that a Knicks success this year? Playing would be good. Um, I think again, my stance is I have, I have a very similar stance in like all sports, but like if you're the Knicks are not going to win a championship this year, but like, if you're, if that's the case, you're not going to, your progress is going to be in like individual goals, individual wins versus a season long end result. If that makes sense. And I think that if you see cohesion between OB uh, and, and RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson, um, and you see guys come off the bench and step up, maybe Quentin Grimes becomes a, becomes your your future two guard and then you run out of a five of look i would love to see by the end of the year if the the next starting five is brunson grimes barrett ob mitchell robinson like that's the that would be paying off your picks well it actually leads me into what i wanted to talk about and and who i'm a little bit concerned about but we haven't even mentioned julius randall and was going to get to that i i just if he's not willing to accept a role this year and he has the same body language and the same, I mean, we're talking about the Knicks would win games last year and he would walk off the court. Like, like they just lost the finals. I, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't really don't need that. I don't need that with this. It's a young team. It's it's like, finally there's potential there. There's a little bit. I, I don't need Julius Randall showing up and being that Julius Randall this year. I, I don't need it. And I, I don't, I think, Really, and a lot of people don't like, a lot of Knicks fans don't like Julius Randle, I guess, for the same reason you just laid out. His personality just seems to be off a lot. And would I be stunned if Julius Randle doesn't end the season on the Knicks? No. I I, I really wouldn't be. If they, no, they And honestly, if they can get a good start from Julius Randle, that could be a good trade piece. Really, yeah, that no, can bring can you in. Good. One of those competing teams might end up giving you they might say, here, take our seventh man who's only in the second year in the league who could be an all-star one day, but we want to win now. And a guy like Julius Randle might help us. Yeah, no, he, he could be he, he could be a, a, a very important piece on a championship team. We, yeah. It's it's honestly our fault for just yelling MVP at him all season a couple of years ago. 
Yeah. And by the way, uh, his son, my my seat buddy. Do you know that story? Remember um, when I went to the Nick game and I sat yes, next to his son? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that. I was giving yeah. him pounds the entire game. It was pretty electric. <laughs> how many but, games? Um, are you, how many games are you signed on for this year? Uh, right now, I'm only going to two, but I, I'm expecting that to increase or decrease given a how much I spend on Yankee tickets going forward, and b how much I the Knicks draw my interest this year. I should say. Yeah, um, we, we we should do a we should do a game or two. Yeah, I it's very easy to get to from from us it's like the easiest place in the world but um not the easiest place in the world the brooklyn nets other side of town face off they tip off tonight at 7 30 against the pelicans wow seven o'clock tonight is going to be like fire (laughs) Knicks, nets and yankees all on at the same time i know and and i have to stream so it's like it's such a pain to click out click in uh yeah this might be this luckily enough i have like the potential of four monitors being used at the same time. So I'm covered there, but I think the Yankees obviously get the big screen. And then I think I'll just divvy up the Knicks and the Nets among, among my other two little screens. But I guess the Nets are, are the Nets contenders in your eyes? They have to be. They, they have to be because of, but I really don't know what to make of the Nets this year. A lot of people are high on them. I have a lot of friends that are net fans that are like, that swear by Ben Simmons and say that he's, you know, almost talk of him as if he's the missing piece. You have friends that are net fans. Yeah, quite a few, actually. A lot wow. of people I went to school with. I don't know. Just this happened to be people I did broadcasting with when I was broadcasting at Monmouth. Just net fans. Uh, a couple of people I used to work with just here and there people. And then I, I guess it's I guess net fans are like just good basketball fans, because a lot of times when I go and like interact with people on Twitter, a lot of times they're just Nets fans. Like, you know, my most most well-known hot take is that the Knicks shouldn't have gotten Kevin Durant. And I get more. I get yeah. stuff from that every day. Every day. Someone asks me, stupid idiot. You're well, an idiot. Because it is it is still silly. Sure. Well, that's we're, we're that, not going to get have into three it right podcasts now. for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But look, I think. Yeah, I think to me, uh, it's all about the off court stuff for the Nets there when they're on the court, when Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, uh, Kevin Durant are all on the same court at the same time. It's hard. It's going to be hard to beat them. Really, it is. But but when you start talking about egos and, you know, off field, off court storylines and who gets the ball in the clutch, in the clutch part of the game, because a lot apparently, and I never understood this, but apparently that's like a huge thing among basketball players, or maybe it's yeah. a little undersung. Yeah. But like, I guess they really care who the play is drawn up for rather than my team just winning because we draw up a good play to anyone. Yeah. But, just, just friction within the organization. Like uh, we don't like our coach, which by the way, we handpicked. It's just, yeah. they, they, they really make me laugh. Uh, I don't, I don't like the Nets. Yeah, I, I root against them. Me I, too. I, I adamantly root against them. Yeah, they talk to us like we're stupid. By the way, yeah, Kyrie Irving, they're, they're, Kevin Durant. It's the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving show, and those two guys are two of like I wouldn't say controversial, but like two of the more uh, friction uh, entailing players in the league. They come with the most baggage, I'd say. Yeah, among the stars, right? Like you know what you're getting with LeBron, but LeBron's always going to be like you know, that high class, you're not going to really have to worry about LeBron off the court or anything. But like if Kyrie Irving loses today and then tomorrow he says, yeah, I don't feel like playing tomorrow. It's the biggest story in New York. Yeah. And it's like very, it's like more possible than any other player doing it. 
You want to you want to guess what his reason's going to be this year for missing time? Actually, I guess we can't because he won't. He doesn't even give you one. Yeah, no, he just says you know like personal reasons or something yeah. like that. And then and then he's but, at a birthday party. And then he, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I lo- I would I would love to love Kyrie Irving. Like I root for myself to be one day be able to root for Kyrie Irving because like I'm pretty sure he's from New Jersey uh, or at least from yeah, he is. The, He's from from New Jersey, right? From New Jersey. And like, look, not for nothing. If we're just looking at this from a basketball point of view and personal uh, ability point of view, Kyrie Irving is a marvel to watch. I get just as much joy at watching a good Kyrie Irving as I do a good Steph Curry or a good LeBron. Any of these stars that when they're on, they are fun to watch. And I don't know if you feel the same way about him, but like no, I do, I love watching Kyrie Irving mixtapes highlights because he's just looks like a video game. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, but I think much, they're out. I, it's it's championship or bust for the Nets. Oh yeah, I mean for, and I guess this is probably going to be their last year together here. You would think. I believe um, I believe it is so, contract wise. Yeah, no, they're they're going to have to win one. But so but, all right, so now I'll flip it back to you. What is obviously we said championship or bust, but and I know the regular season means a lot less in the NBA than it once once did. But uh, I think anything less than like a three seed would be even a disappointment for the Nets looking at the East. I mean, you can make the argument. The only teams that you can even argue are better than them. Are Heat, Bucks, Celtics and everyone else, I think they're head and shoulders better than I guess the 76ers, but I'm not sold on the 76ers. Yeah, I, I kind of I think three is probably where you would project them. But like you said, I mean, th- these guys take the regular season off. They, you know, a lot of times they don't care who they play in the front. They just, you know, it's just let's get there. Yeah. And so now let me ask you this and we'll, we'll get into more basketball as basketball gets into swing. Yeah. But if you're the NBA and this is not obviously not directed at the Knicks or the Nets or, or just a general NBA question, how do you fix that? I don't think it's these play-in tournaments. I really don't. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you have, do you have something? Cause I, I don't know, but there has to be, there has to be some, especially like when you spend 130 bucks to go to a game. And then I don't know if Durant and Kyrie are going to play. Yeah, no. Well see that. All right. I think, let's 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 separate that for a second because i think that the that's a different argument and so are, i have a way to i think i have a way to fix about, that are you just talking about like just management of of just like the workload no more no not necessarily that i'm talking about more so uh importance on the regular season in the nba not necessarily workload but just how do you make it so that teams can't rest guys what do you do or well, won't rest, guys. If you have something, give it to me. I think you need to institute buys or divisions again. Whereas, you know, you go, this whole conference thing might be the whole root of it. Like, if you go into divisions, right? Let's say basketball had the same format as baseball. What's wrong with that? They go into divisions, like you have your Atlantic, your Central, Southeast in the East, and then you got your Northwest, Pacific, Southwest in the West, right? If you took the top three from those teams and then two wild card, two wild card teams and gave the number one seed overall a buy. There's your playoffs. And that gives a little bit more importance because you have those wild card chases at the end of the year. Don't you just still feel like players wouldn't care? 
No, I think they would because especially for that one seed buy or even the one and the two seed buy, like like in the MLB, I feel like they if they really care about load management and managing these players' workloads, those bye weeks are could be important for a guy. You know, if you're the Lakers and you have the you need to win three three straight games to in order to have a week off before you play your first playoff game or like any veteran team, I think that adds a little bit of meaning. Yeah, I, I guess so. And it's a little outside the box, sure. But and then as far as workload is con- is concerned, and like you said, how bad it is that uh, you know you could buy a ticket and then you'll the guy LeBron's resting, right? Same it happened to me. Yeah, I had tickets I to the Knicks that. Nets game or the the Knicks Lakers game, and LeBron wasn't even in the building, and it sucked. Sure, like I was disappointed, but I think I think it's just the nature of the game. And like, yeah, it sucks to have, you know, little Johnny's birthday come and he want, all he wants to see is LeBron and little Johnny doesn't get to see LeBron because he played two nights in a row. But I, I to combat that, I think I honestly my point of view is and it doesn't it's harder to, to say in the beginning of the season than it is like, I guess, in the second half of the season. But if you're a fan, you kind of have to look at the schedule and like gauge I can look at the schedule right now and I'd probably be like 75% accurate on where like guys LeBron won't play this year, obviously barring an injury in which he's out length of time, but like assuming health, I could probably pinpoint the days in which mm, LeBron might not play. Like, let's see playing a night game in LA. And then the next day they have a game in Charlotte at seven Eastern time. Maybe he doesn't play in Charlotte that day. So if I'm in North Carolina, Maybe if I want to see LeBron, I don't go to that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like that's how I that's how I've always viewed it. I think it just, I think the fans, it's a it's a valid complaint, but I think fans need to maybe like wisen up a bit. I feel like it's to just throw a dart and say, yeah, I'm gonna go to this game and oh, the Lakers are against the Knicks. He's definitely gonna play that game. I don't just don't think that's true, and it's unfortunate, but that's just how it is. If we're just talking regular season. Where would you rank the NBA if you had to rank your four major sports just in terms of your just viewership enjoyment, just regular season? Just what do you get most excited just to watch on a regular basis? Um, well, it's hard for me to say now because obviously I'm going to say baseball now uh, just because baseball is in the swing of things. But in terms of like your average regular season Wednesday night game, I, I like I enjoy watching basketball a lot, a lot, a lot, because I like seeing, you know, there's five guys on the floor at the same time. And I know pretty much know every single one of them, where they went to college, what they're good at, what I'm looking for. I see their faces. I see their reactions. It's a very open game. You know, like in football, you got a helmet on in baseball. You got like you got a hat on. Everyone's got, you know, you might not see Rizzo for four straight innings. You might not see Judge for four straight innings, but. Every time something's going on in basketball, I'm seeing LeBron James. I'm seeing R.J. Barrett. I'm seeing Kevin Durant do something on every single play. Um, and then the same thing for – so so I, I've said this for a long time, and a lot of people are not the biggest fans of the NBA because of, like, all the resting and workload and stuff. But I think where the, the NBA makes up for that is just in the fact that the nature of the game is just a very open game. And yeah. so to, to answer your question, I would put it – I put the NBA in full swing, like, you know, midseason where I actually know like good games versus bad games. I'd watch a good NBA game over 
over a lot of other sports, I think. I love watching, you know, my favorite thing ever is watching those LeBron Steph Curry games. Those are my favorite. Yeah, maybe not anymore. Maybe not, but hey, but still, I was locked in last night. I just truthfully was. I watched the entire game front to back, and I enjoyed every second of it. So, I don't know. I think the NBA does a good, whereas the we always complain the MLB doesn't do a good job marketing its stars. The MLB or the NBA does an amazing job marketing its stars. So, oh yeah, the goats. But um, so um, you and I, admittedly, um, not hockey savants. I and you even. <laughs> Um, but uh, the Rangers are good. Um, the Rangers that are, I know. they are legitimate contenders. Uh, they might have the best, uh, goaltender on the planet. Um, and, uh, it, it's going to be a fun season and we're not going to be able to ignore them. So, uh, we, we have some Rangers to talk and I do have a guest with us. Um, so we welcome in a friend of mine, um, host of a podcast called Liberty Blue Pod, um, Nick Zararis, um, somewhat of a Rangers expert. And like I said, Sam and I know uh, no savants. So um, how you doing, Nick? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. The Rangers have a very weird schedule this first couple of weeks of the season. So they've only played, you know, four games in a week and a half. But so far, everything looks pretty good for the Rangers. How'd you guys land Sam Rosen? Um, Andrew had interviewed him before on some on for another project and he was able to go to Sam directly and Sam asked MSG network if it was fine. And it's a lot easier to do it that way than to go through MSG than to get anybody because those people don't like making their people available for some reason. But lucky enough, Andrew had interviewed Sam before. What was that like? Was he like, was was cool, he, was he like happy to be there? Was he like, no, Sam, Sam, we took a solid 10 minutes before we started recording we had about we had him for about 45 50 minutes then another 10 15 after sam was good with his time it was an off day he didn't have to go to the rink or anything he was very generous with his time we were very happy to have him yeah uh so we're asking a lot of you here uh you know i'm a ranger fan i don't think sam's ever watched the hockey game um so <laughs> that's just not we, true it's just and, not true and i know you probably have reps doing this on your show we, we kind of just wanted you to give us maybe just a preview of this season um what you're excited about how far they can go and why and just your thoughts on on this ranger season um they're gonna go as far as the young guys are capable of carrying them i know a lot of people would point to the high-end guys they have like sabinajad and Kreider and panarin but when it comes to the playoffs you need to have that secondary scoring guys who aren't at the top of your lineup who are going to be able to contribute i know that sounds a little bit weird considering how we've seen the lineup deployed so far where um kako and lafreniere have gotten to play in the top six and heedle's been left on the on an island on that third line with jimmy vz and barkley goodrow but they need depth. The younger guys have made a nice impact because they're not going to be able to add anybody significant at the deadline without sending money out. Right now they have, I think, $5,000 in cap space, which is a curing every day. And by the deadline, it'll be about 800000 So not a lot of room to go out and add anybody So unless you send somebody out. So more or less, this is the team you have. Anytime you have a team with one of the three to five best goalies in the league, depending on the night and Shesterkin, a power play that can hover around 25% of the time it's going to score a goal, they have the bones of a good team. And so far, I mean, four games isn't a big sample size to draw upon yet, but they've been a lot better at even strength, which was a real issue last year. Where yeah, they I was, was going to ask you about that, if they improved the five-on-five five game. 
Yeah, they've definitely looked a lot better at five on five. And it, it, it makes a real difference that they have Kako and Lafreniere on the first and second line playing on the right. Because you got to remember last year at the start of the year, that was Barkley Goodrow playing with Panarin and Ryan Strom. That was Dryden Hunt playing with those guys. Not Sammy Blay playing up there. Those are guys who decent hockey players. If they're on your fourth line, you're in decent shape, but those aren't guys who should be playing with people like Zabinijan and Kreider. And they have looked a lot more coherent at five on five where they're not just firing passes with no real plan. There's a clear, we got to get the puck from here to there to here. And we're going to create a scoring chance off of it. So yeah, a lot more cohesive. They're a lot more just visually appealing to watch. Like if you're a casual hockey person, just they are playing a, style of hockey that's a lot easier to watch than what they were doing for large stretches of last season and as far as the big picture I mean they're in the secondary tier of cup contenders they were I think 10 or 11 to 1 to win the cup which is like the sixth or seventh best odds of any team in the league so they'll be in the conversation I mean the only other teams in the east Florida looks like a mess right now Tampa Bay they don't really hit their stride until about January, February, when they really need to start. The Leafs haven't won a playoff series since George W. Bush was president. The Bruins are old. There's not a lot. The East, it's deep, but it's not particularly high end. You, you don't really know who the Rangers' main competition is going to be. It's probably going to end up being Carolina, which adds an extra wrinkle to it because they're in the same division. But as far as they'll be right there, they're probably one of the three or four best teams in the East, one of the seven, eight best teams in the entire league. And that's just on paper. There's room for this team to get better just with their play. Yeah. So what, what would you consider a, a, a successful Ranger season to just repeat what they did last year? If you at can the very get least. To, at the very least, you want to get to that second round again, anything beyond that you're putting your fate in it's in the hockey God's hands at that point. It is a very weird sport. It is a very random sport. It's what I always tell the playoffs are all about getting hot at the right time. We saw it last year, the Rangers, they, uh, the Rangers should have lost to Pittsburgh in the first round. They were getting thumped. They were down three games to one. And if Truba doesn't rearrange Sidney Crosby's brainstem, the Rangers are eliminated in the first round and everybody's kind of looking at each other like, well, that kind of sucked. It, you got to get lucky. You got to stay healthy, which the Rangers did last year, which that's something I am concerned about just the way injury luck works. They were one of the healthiest teams in the league last year that usually ebbs and flows year to year. So you knock on wood and hope everyone can stay healthy, but you get into the playoffs, you win that first round series, you'll probably be a higher seed after that. Then it starts getting into, can you get, can you get lucky that it takes a lot of luck to win a Stanley cup? I mean, you think about the avalanche, the avalanche took Nathan McKinnon, ranting in Landeskog, like, you know, eight, nine years ago, the lightning, it took them 10, 11 years to win a Stanley cup after drafting Sam and Hedman. Yep. The Rangers have only drafted these high end guys the last three, four years. It might be a while and you just got to get as many cracks at it as you can, which is, it, it sounds kind of ridiculous to say about a team that's like the fourth or fifth youngest in the entire league, but you need as many cracks as you can get at winning a Stanley cup. It's not all about trying to get the best team possible once it's to have a really good team five or six times. That's going to give you the best odds of actually winning a cup. Right. So, um, so when you spoke about all the positives from last year, um, tell me some of your negatives and tell me what you would say the Rangers have done or not done to fix some of the negatives they had from last year. Yeah. Like do they, are they better on the face off? Yes. Through four games there, they're over 50%, which hasn't happened in like seven or eight years. Yeah, I think I, they were, I think they were about 40. They hovered around 44 last year, I think. Yeah. That, 
they were awful. I mean, that that's also in part just having young centers, like someone like Filipino, who's only, you know, three years into the NHL going against guys who have been in the league forever. Faceoffs is all about tricks and positioning and body leverage and trying to get away with getting your stick a little bit down earlier than you're supposed to be able to. That'll get better with time. He'll get better. Zbigniew was over 50% last year. Trocek historically has been over 50%. The biggest problem last year was the team defense. Um, the Rangers have good defensemen, but the style of the – the style they choose to play, they're, what they do systems-wise, they want to get the puck out of their zone as quickly as possible to the forwards. Kind of like how soccer, you have that counterattack style where you just absorb the pressure best you can, and then you want to spring the team going the other way. The Rangers tried to do that last year, but they didn't really have the forwards to play in transition like that. And it led to a very clunky and disjointed offense that was hard to sustain pressure at times. This year, again, it's only been four games, but there has been a little bit better of a link-up system between the defensemen and the forwards getting the puck out quickly because the Rangers, by design, want the other team to shoot the puck in the defensive zone. They want to let Shesterkin get clear lines of sight on the puck, make the save, and go the other way. They don't really want to try and be stuck in their zone for 35, 40 seconds at a time. They will give you a good shooting lane from 30 feet away because that's not a particularly dangerous scoring chance, especially if Shesterkin can see it. Um, as far as what they did to improve it, uh, Trocek is better than Strom. Not by much, but Tro Vinny Trocek is a better hockey player than Ryan Strom. Capococco right now is playing better than Dryden Hunt was last year on that line. Um, Lafreniere is playing better than Barkley Goodrow was at that point last year. And I'll be honest, through four games, Jimmy Vesey's played really good defense at forward. And if your third line is just not going to have anything happen while they're on the ice, even if they're not scoring, as long as they're not conceding at the same time, that's fine. If your bottom six is just a neutral neutral in the determining the outcome of the game you'll take that there are a lot of teams in the nhl who have god awful bottom sixes of spare parts of guys that they can't get rid of or they can't really find something to do with so if your third line is going to be close to even at giving giving and conceding goals and your fourth line is just close to even not even even you're in okay shape compared to most teams in the league so the the steps they took steps do I necessarily agree with how they got to those decisions or some of the decisions they made? No, I personally, I would have let Heedle run at second line center, save that money, got an extra winger or two in here because they're paying Trocek what they could have paid for Dylan Strom, who's on the Capitals now. And um, you could have done a number of things like that. Just there were more cost effective ways to design this roster because they're not going to be able to add anything at the deadline, which if you're a cup contender. That was my next question. Do. Yeah, uh, my next my next question was, if there is a move to make in the middle of the season, what would you say that move would be right now? They need a seventh defenseman for sure. Right now, they only have six because Libor Hayek is on this team because for whatever reason, they refuse to get rid of him. They need a seventh guy just for the course of a playoff run. You're going to play at least seven or eight defensemen because people get hurt in the playoffs. You saw it last year. Lindgren missed two games. Those were the two worst games the Rangers played in the playoffs. You're going to need an extra defenseman. And you probably are going to be looking. The Rangers are going to want to add a high-end guy. They're going to want to add somebody on an expiring contract who's only going to be able to be here for the playoffs. But they're not going to be able to do that without sending money out. And the only guys who you can send money out with are good players. You don't want to trade Ryan Lindgren. You don't want to trade Filipino. You don't want to trade Capo Caco. But those are guys making money that if you're going to bring in someone good, 
they're going to be expensive. I know all of the hockey insider people keep talking Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane. The cheapest you can get his cap hit down to is $2.25 million. And that's if you pay a third team to retain half of half. He gets $10.5 million per year. By the time the trade deadline comes around, it'll be prorated a little bit less than that. It'll be like five and a half to six million. The Blackhawks will retain half of that. You're still going to have to give a third team at probably a second or third round pick for retaining two and a half, three million dollars on their books. And you still have to send something to Chicago. So if you want to talk, the insiders want to talk themselves into it. I, there's just not a way to do it without sending money out. That That's the reason I'm a little hesitant with the way they designed this roster. It's why I wouldn't have given Trocek the contract they did, even though he's a good player. I think Trocek is a very good player. He's an upgrade over Ryan Strom. They don't have any flexibility and they get an injury or two. This is not a particularly deep team, especially on defense. So yep. defense is probably the bigger need to me, at least right now, because so far, Lafreniere, Heal, Kako all look to be playing significantly better than they were last year. Forward isn't as much of a need. Yep. Everyone knows they went out and traded for, you know, Mott, um, Vetrano, and Andrew Kopp last year because they needed forwards. Now, at least it looks like they'll be all right in terms of top six guys. And it's mm-hmm. cheap to add an extra, you know, a 13th forward. Yep. All right. So, Nick, 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 we got about 30 seconds before it signs us off here. Real quick, yep. Nick, give me a Yankee series prediction here. Oh, I was going to ask that. In six. <laughs> All right, I had Astros oh. in seven. Nick, that was great. Thank you so much. Nick, no you said you said Astros in how many? Six. All right, it was great having you. Thanks he, for your one time spot. He's, he's, he's a Met fan. He's a Met fan. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Nick. So that'll do it for this episode today. Um, got a little Rangers in there. That was really cool. Talk some Yankees, of course. Knicks, Nets tip off tonight. Exciting night in New York sports. As always, thank you for listening. Please reach out to us on all our our socials. Interact with us. Like our posts. Answer our questions. And as always, thank you for listening.